Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. God, we are so honored to be able to call you Father through Jesus. Um, Lord, I pray that you would encourage those in the room this morning that are missing their dads who are already um, with you in heaven. I pray, God, that you would inspire the dads who feel like they've been whiffing at the plate lately. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them and that you would pour out grace over their lives, Lord, and help them and, and lift them up, God. I pray, Lord, for the, for the dads that are also in the room that are, um, that are just so grateful for the blessing of, of children. And I pray, God, that you would, um, you would cause them to see you as such a beautiful giver of gifts in these families. And then, Lord, for those who, when they think of their dads, it's not such a beautiful picture or not such a beautiful emotion and response and their experience with their earthly father has been negative. God, I pray that you would comfort them today. I pray that you would give them vision for knowing you as their heavenly father. And I ask, Lord, as we dig into the scriptures today, that you would draw them close to your heart this morning and that you would um, care for them and love them and teach them this morning and grow them up as disciples. Father, we thank you for the scriptures that tell us who you are and show us how to live. And right now we're leaning in to listen carefully to the voice of the Spirit. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today we are jumping into uh, these two attributes, and we're going to begin with the justice of God. Everybody say justice. Okay, I mean, say it again, like it's Father's Day, like you're really, really excited it's Father's Day. Everybody say justice. justice. Oh, that was beautiful. Way to go, way to go, way to go. I want to bring up this definition up on the screen for you to start us out here today about what justice is. Justice is rightly assigning guilt and consequences to lawbreakers and rightly assigning repayment to those violated by the lawbreakers. With this definition up on the screen here, I want to pick it apart here for a moment. Notice there are two parts of it. Justice isn't simply punishing those who break the law. It's not just assigning uh, responsibility, assigning blame and consequences. It is also trying to stand up with justice of taking care of those who were abused, taking care of those who were ripped off, taking care of those who were violated. There's two sides of justice. If someone has their possessions stolen... If they put the thief in jail, that's one side of the justice. If they require that the thief pays the person they robbed back, that's the other side of justice. Justice has two sides to it. But the other part of this definition is is a word that that is mentioned twice in here. It's justice is rightly assigning. That word rightly is really, really important. Because justice tries really hard to be righteous to be right and to get it correct. That's why the legal system takes a long time to play out. That's why the legal system is complicated and it takes people who've gone to school and studied case law and they're they're experts in different fields so that they can understand everything. That's why trials take a long while. That's why there's an appeal system that's available to people because justice wants to get it right. And the cool thing about the justice of God is... He is always right, and that's comforting to us. This definition, 
Justice is rightly assigning guilt and consequences to lawbreakers and rightly assigning repayment to those violated by the lawbreakers. Let's talk about the justice of God in Scripture. I want to walk you through several Scripture references this morning. We're going to kind of blow through a bunch of these. I think we've got about 16 different verses we'll look at throughout the whole morning. So if you're flipping pages, just kind of hold on and write the verses down, the references down. You can catch up with those later. They'll all come up on the screen for you uh, today. First of all, in Deuteronomy 16, Verses 18 to 20, we have some biblical discussion about legal judgments that are going on. It says, appoint judges and officials for each of your tribes in every town the Lord your God is giving you, and they shall judge the people fairly. Do not pervert justice or show partiality. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the innocent. So in this passage here, there there is a need to get it right. So we're going to have appointed judges and officials, and there's a right way to do it. Don't just take care of the rich people and blow off the poor people. We want you to to make sure there are no, no shady business going on here. There's no bribes or anything like that. Justice is to be taken very, very, very seriously. Let's look at the next passage in the book of Psalms. We'll start in in chapter 9. And here you have the psalmist calling for that other side of justice. They're looking for some vengeance. They're looking for some repayment. In Psalm chapter 9 verse 16, it says, the Lord is known by his acts of justice. The wicked are ensnared by the work of their hands. This is beautiful because the psalmist is saying, praise God, the wicked don't get away with everything. God settles up with people. So the justice of God brings comfort if you've been violated. The justice of God brings encouragement if you've been mistreated. The justice of God helps you to rest in the truth that nobody ever really gets away with anything because God always settles up with people. A couple more verses here in the book of Psalms. Look at Psalm 33, verse 5. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. I love this combination of righteousness and justice and love. Let's talk about that just for a second. Righteousness is this idea of getting it right. Justice is actually, if you do an etymology of, of of the word justice, down deep in those layers, you find the word right or rightness or righteous that there is an idea of, of everything needs to be pure in motive. And that's who our God is. So righteousness and justice, pure motive, and the, and, and the, the exercising of his motives in justice is combined, but it's all under the banner of love. Justice is not separate from the love of God. Sometimes you think of justice as punishment. Sometimes you think of justice as vengeance and God getting people back or God settling up with lawbreakers and justice is really cold and cut and dry. What are the rules and did you break them? But justice has love at the bottom of it. I would offer to you, dear ones, that no command of God is is a command that is not absolutely coded in love. Parents, when you tell your little one not to run into the street on a busy street, why did you give that command? Because you love them. And you do not want them to come face to face with a Buick. 
The commands of God are all based of love. So when you think of the justice of God, it is not harshness and a gavel dropping. It is all wrapped in love. Let's look at one more passage here in the book of Psalms, verse 45, uh, excuse me, Psalm 45, verse 4. In your majesty, ride forth victoriously in the cause of truth, humility, and justice. Let your right hand achieve awesome deeds. This is the psalmist saying, uh, some really mean people hurt us. So king, rise up. And in your majesty, ride forth (laughs) and go do some stuff. It is absolutely appropriate for you to call on the justice of God and to ask him to deal rightly and fairly. But make sure that as you ask him that there's innocence in your heart about that certain issue, about that certain moment, about that certain violation. A couple other passages of scripture here. There's, there's also the Bible talking about the future justice of God. Most of the New Testament references to the justice of God refer to the future justice when he judges the world. Look at Acts 17, verse 31. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him, the man he's appointed, from the dead. He's talking about Jesus. There will come a day when God settles up with all humanity. And there will come a day when God judges the world through Jesus. He's appointed Jesus to be the judge at some point, And there's going to be this great judgment that's coming. And, and that's not really bad news for you to hear it now. What would be really bad would be to not tell you the truth. There is a judgment coming. Are you right with God? That's the loving thing to ask. We don't need to shy away from the hard biblical truths of the judgment of God, that God will hold us accountable for how we've lived in accordance with his word and God's instructions and commands. And remember, all those commands are based in love, but how have you lived? Have you broken God's commands? Well, it's actually almost one of those those crazy questions because all of us have sinned against God at some point. And the way that we have our sins dealt with in justice is we believe in Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross in being a sacrifice for our sins and God powerfully raising him from the dead. And when you believe in Jesus, God looks at your life and he says, yes, you have broken my laws. Yes, you have sinned against me, but I punished Jesus for sin. And because you believe in him, I will pardon you. It's all mixed in with justice. Our salvation has the word justification attached to it. And to be justified is to be pardoned. It's not that God looks at you and says, oh, there you are, you're not so bad. (laughs) No, the, the cross says how bad we are. The cross indicates the cost of our sinfulness. And there's never been a moment in God's justice where he said, oh, you've sinned, never mind, we'll blow that off. Nope, God never just waves off our sin. It has been paid for. But Acts tells us he has set 
a day. And I don't know if that day is tomorrow or next week or 27 years from now or 270 years from now. And beware of the man who has God figured out. Nobody knows when that day is coming. But what the Bible tells us is, is that God already has a calendar. I don't know what calendar app God is using, but he's got one. And he's got a date already set on that calendar when everything is going to settle up and everybody's going to be before God. And my question for you today is the most loving question I could ask you this morning. Are you ready to stand before God? And the only way you get ready is by believing in Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you are pardoned for the guilt of your sins. If you don't believe in Jesus, you will be judged for the guilt of your sins. He has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. He's right. He is absolutely right to judge the world. He will judge it by the man he has appointed. And he's given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. One of the many reasons why God raised Jesus from the dead is so that he could triumph over sin and one day preside as judge. So I'm not asking you what your parents have done. I'm not asking you what your roommate's done. I'm not asking you what your best friends have done. I'm not asking you what your spouse has done. I'm not asking you what your mom or dad or grandparent or uncle has done. I'm asking about you individually. Do you know that if it turns out tomorrow is the day, do you know that you could stand before God without fear because you have believed in Jesus and had all of your sins pardoned? If you don't know that, then the response in your life today needs to be getting right with God and believing in Jesus, becoming his follower, becoming his disciple. And in that moment that you believe in your heart what God has done for you out of his love and what God has done to demonstrate his justice. He he didn't blow off sin. He, He killed his own son Shed the blood of Christ for sin. And that blood, that sacrifice covers over your guilt and my gift. Believe in Jesus and be saved. One more scripture passage here from Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. John saw this vision. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True, and with justice he judges and wages war. This is just another prophecy, a promise that a day will come when Jesus is going to settle up. The battle hymn of the Republic is one of those songs that, that we as patriots love. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He, the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. That song at its root is about this. That song at its root is about the day when 
the glory of the Lord Jesus will be revealed and he is stepping into history and the grapes of wrath will be poured out on the earth. God's settling up with judgment. But if you believe in Jesus, God's love has made a way for you to not fear the judgment because you can be pardoned. You're guilty, but I'm applying what Jesus did for you to you. And I will declare, I will declare you justified. The gavel will fall and the judge will say, this person, they have sinned, but they have believed in the work of Christ and they are forgiven. Let's talk more about the justice of God and his righteousness. He is in himself right. And he is always doing what is right. He is infinitely right in his beings, his law, and his prosecution of those laws. Just for who God is, he is right. He will never be anything other than right. He will never do anything from a bad motive. He'll never fly off the handle. He'll never just sort of slip up and do something for his own personal gain to to harm other people just because he felt like it. God will always do the right thing because he is the essence of rightness. In his being, he is right. And in his laws, every one of his laws is right. It's appropriate. It's fair. It's right. It's pure. It's good. And in his prosecution of those laws, God will have mercy on those he wants to have mercy. God will punish those that need to be punished. God will settle up with those who need to be settled up with. God will never wrongly punish a person. He's right in his justice. The legal system only dreams of that kind of Purity. The legal system sometimes gets it wrong. The legal system pulls emotion in. The legal system sometimes plays favorites. The legal system sometimes isn't fair. The legal system is done from from bribery or poor motives or shady dealings going on. But with God, you will never, ever, ever find that. God's infinite justice means he never compromises, he never looks the other way, and he never just lets people slide. He's absolute in his justice. One of my favorite books is a book by Victor Hugo called Les Miserables. Maybe you've read the book. It's about this big. Okay, maybe it's this big. It's a big, thick book. Maybe you've seen the movie or maybe you've seen the the musical uh, on a stage somewhere but Le Miserable has this this main character in it whose name is Jean Valjean and Jean Valjean at the beginning of the book and at the beginning of the play and the movie you learn he has been put in prison because he's a thief the justice system has worked he's been put in prison because he's a thief but then you hear a little bit of his story he says "I, I stole a loaf of bread And then you kind of go, okay, well, wait a minute, that's not that bad. And you're kind of picturing, did he come in at gunpoint and, you know, tie everybody up and grab all the bread in the house and leave? He just says, I I just broke a window pane. I was starving. 
My family was starving. We were going to die. We had no food. And I went to a place and there was a lot of food. And all I didn't take all the food. I didn't hurt anybody. All I did was break a window pane and take some bread. And all of a sudden you begin to think, well, maybe that's not that bad. Or oh, that, it's just kind of a small thing. But what, look at this. There was no compromise. There was no story behind the system. All it was was what is justice here? Did you steal it? Yes, jail. It's absolute. It's absolute. Because it is preserving the rightness. If justice doesn't punish the lawbreaker, then you can have no faith in the justice. But our God is always right. And he always punishes those who deserve it. Which leads me all of this, all of this up to this quote by A.W. Tozer. We're reading this book together uh, called The Knowledge of the Holy this Summer. And here's a quote from that. Uh, I love this. The vague and tenuous hope that God is too kind to punish the ungodly has become a deadly opiate for the conscience of millions. It hushes their fears and allows them to practice all pleasant forms of iniquity while death draws every day nearer and the command to repent goes unguarded. Unregarded. Well, there's a story, God. <laughs> I mean, all I did was break a window. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that bad. I couldn't help it. It's just the way I was raised, or this is just where I grew up, or the conditions of those. Oh, sorry, God, I was just born this way. Or, sorry, this is just my story, or these are my circumstances. Well, let me tell you the, the background, or let me give you some context, or let me give you my list of reasons why I needed to do that. No. And it would be unloving today to say that you can disregard God and ignore God and disregard Jesus and ignore Jesus. It would be unloving of me to say that you can do that and then stand before God one day and he will just say, oh, you know me, I'm just a big teddy bear, come on into heaven. He has set forth his law. He has called us to obey. And if we don't, he's called us to repent and be pardoned through Jesus. He has made a way to be forgiven. God will keep his word. He will. And I don't say that to frighten you. I say that to invite you to believe in Jesus and receive the pardon for your sinfulness. Let's talk about the mercy of God. The mercy of God is coupled beautifully with the justice of God. And when you talk about the mercy of God, you really need to distinguish it a bit from grace. Grace and mercy are similar, but there's some important differences. I want you to look at a couple of a couple of differences here uh, with me on the screen. Grace is God moving toward us in undeserved kindness. 
The biblical understanding of the word is there is great is that God bends toward us. He stoops down toward us. God just looks at your life and he just chooses to move toward you to bless or to favor or to benefit you. That is God looking at, at your life and going, I, I want to be in your life. I want to move toward you. I want to bend down toward you. You don't deserve it and I am God and you are not and I am always faithful and you are rarely faithful but I just want to move toward your life. I just want to show you favor. I want to show you undeserved kindness. That's God moving toward you out of the goodness of his heart. And mercy is God showing undeserved kindness and not moving against us. <laughs> you feel that one? Where God looks at your unfaithfulness and yet does not descend upon you with lightning bolts. That's the mercy of God where God shows you what you don't deserve and he doesn't descend upon you to move against you. The mercy of God is his choice. It's his loving kindness toward you, this undeserved kindness where God says, I see who you really are when no one else sees. I see what you look at. I see what you dwell on. I see how you treat other people. I hear what you say. I see where you're going, what you're doing, how you're spending. I see where your life is headed and what your life is really all about. I know what you're thinking, even if no one else knows what you're thinking. I see the real you. But you get to breathe today. That's the mercy of God. He sees the real me, the real you. And it's his undeserved kindness to not move against us. Let's look at some scripture passages about the mercy of God. First of all, in Psalm chapter 9, verse 13, the psalmist says, Lord, See how my enemies persecute me. Have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death. Have mercy. I don't deserve it, Lord, but have mercy upon me. Next passage is in Psalm 31, verse 22. In my alarm, I said, I'm cut off from your sight, God. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. You ever blow it big? You ever find yourself in a pit and you're the one who dug it? This is the psalmist going, I thought I had disqualified myself. I thought I had blown it. I thought I was cut off. I thought I had lost all my chances. I thought, I, I, and now what I was doing at that point was I was appealing to your mercy, God. I'm calling out to his mercy that you and your loving kindness would not give me what I deserve, but you'd give me grace instead. Aren't you grateful that God doesn't give us what we deserve? Another passage, Psalm 40, verse 11. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. Love faithfulness, mercy, all wrapped together. These are not dissimilar things. They are all tied together. The mercy of God has its roots in the love of God. 
He is merciful toward you if you've blown it big. He's merciful toward you if you've just been a little less than as a husband or a wife or a parent or a child. He is, he is merciful toward you because he loves you. Not because you've earned a pass, but because he loves you. Let's also look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. This is her saying, look, we got issues. We don't have everything right. We got trouble in our household. My daughter is way off the track. My daughter's demon-possessed. And a lot of you have got issues with your kids, but you're probably not ready to say they're demon-possessed. And sometimes you're wondering. But this woman's world was out of control. Probably embarrassingly so as a parent. And what is she doing? She's calling out for mercy. And know what we deserve, but show us mercy. One more passage here, Luke 18, 38. This is the guy who were blind, and they've heard about Jesus, and they heard he's in the vicinity, he's in the area, and they called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm not telling you, God, you owe me. I'm not telling you, God, you should be impressed with me. I'm not telling you, God, I deserve that you help me. I'm telling you, God, I get it. I know what I deserve. But I'm depending on your mercy based in your love. Have mercy on me and act and help and move and rescue and deliver and heal and fix and repair and comfort. Bring mercy into our lives. Aren't you grateful for the mercy of God? Where God in heaven looks upon you and he knows who you really are and he knows what you really deserve and he chooses to let you live and walk and he chooses to show you kindness. It's beautiful. His mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. They're new every morning. God has bottomless mercies for his people. I want you to look at this definition from um, this beautiful encyclopedia that I've got, this Baker encyclopedia. And it says, mercy is the quality in God by which he faithfully keeps his promises and maintains his covenant relationship with his chosen people despite their unworthiness and unfaithfulness. Isn't that great? This is the mercy of God. He chooses to keep his promises and maintain his covenant relationship with his chosen people despite their unworthiness and unfaithfulness. So we've talked about justice this morning, the cut and dry justice and the mercy, the tough and the tender the tough, I see what you deserve. Did you steal the loaf of bread? Yes, I did. Jail. But there's also the mercy of God. Where do those two meet? Does anybody know where those two meet? Where do the love of God, the mercy of God, and the justice of God meet? At the cross. Hallelujah. The cross 
is the greatest illustration of the justice of God. Sin was never just blown off. It was paid for. And it is also the greatest illustration of the mercy of God because you and I had no way to be right with God on our own. We had no ability to be forgiven on our own. We had no way to earn pardon or forgiveness. And God looked at us in our helpless state, and he says, I see you have no way to be right with me, and so I'm going to make a way for you to be right with me. I'm going to give my one and only son to be the sacrifice for the guilt of your sins, and I will crucify him on this cross. He is innocent. He's never sinned, but I'm going to heap upon him. I'm going to pour out on him. He's going to drink the cup of my wrath for sin. I'm going to raise him from the dead. Because when I win, I win a full victory. And I've made this way for you. So every day until the judgment day, you have the opportunity to take the way and believe in Jesus and be pronounced pardoned. But when the judgment day comes, it's over. It's over. Love, mercy, and justice meet at the cross because mercy is not a pass. Mercy shows that our sin has been paid in full because he loves us. I want you to look at this scripture passage in Romans 3. This is beautiful words of Paul illustrating justice and mercy on the cross. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You guys heard that verse before? And all are justified freely by his grace. That word justified means pardoned. You're pronounced innocent even though we all know we're not. It's God's choice to declare us. Drop the gavel, declare us. It's a legal term. You're justified freely, hallelujah, by his grace. God's choice to move toward us through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Next verse. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. He wanted to preserve his worth to be worshipped. God had said, if you sin, you will die. If you sin, you will die. If you sin, you will die. And God would not be worthy of worship if he did not keep his word. So God could not look upon us and go, you sinned a little bit? Never mind, come on in. You sinned? Oh, that's okay. Forget about it. Come on in. No. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. A sacrifice, a shedding of blood. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did this, the next verse says, to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be, this, that to be, to present himself, to declare himself, to reveal himself, so as to be through the cross, he is just and the one who justifies. He's worthy of worship. He keeps his word. He punished sin once for all through Jesus. So in the cross, He shows himself to be just, cut and dry. Sin has to be paid for. And the justifier, I know you've sinned, but mercy, I pardon you. 
if you believe in Jesus. Just and the justifier. Justice and mercy meet together at the cross. So wrapping us up here this morning, I want to walk you through just a few things for real life this week of why this matters. Why the justice of God matters in your world and in mine. Why the mercy of God matters in our world. You ready? Are you ready? Yes. Okay, got four things for you. Let's go in them. Number one, justice is who God is, so he will always do what is right toward me. Toward me. It's good news. So whatever God permits to come into my life, God has decided rightly. Whenever there are consequences from God upon my life, whenever God needs to discipline me as his child because he refuses to let me grow up to be a spiritual brat, when the Lord disciplines those whom he loves, the Bible says, whenever that happens, it's always right. God always makes the right call. So I can trust him as my perfect father. So as you go through your week this week, remember, he is justice. He is rightness. So all decisions about your world were the right decisions. They were the right ones. Well, well I don't see why. That's not, our, <laughs> that's not our job. As they say in other realms, that's above our pay grade. Well, I don't understand why for this person it was that, and yet for me it's this. That's their story. And God's telling his story through their story, and God's telling his story through your story. So you just take care of your story and let God deal with their story. Whatever. God moves for, to, around, in, through your life is right. It's because he's righteous. There's some rest in that. We can trust him. Number two. If I haven't been pardoned by believing in Jesus, I will one day meet God as judge. That's how this matters. That's personally written. Look at that. If I haven't been pardoned by believing in Jesus, I will one day meet God as judge. It's just true. So I'll ask the question a different way this morning again. Have you believed in Jesus personally? Had your sins forgiven so that God's pardon has come over your life so that now you have no fear of standing before God one day? If you haven't, then the guilt of your own sins still hangs over your life. That's how this matters. The day has been set. The day is coming. Number three. Two more. We're almost done. Mercy is how we get to live every single day and we don't deserve it. Mercy is how we get to live. God knows how you think. God knows what you've been looking at. God knows what you've been talking about. God knows the attitude you've been holding. God knows the grudge you've been holding. God knows the, 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 the evil thoughts you've been having. God knows the actions you've been taking. God knows the things in secret. God knows all of those things, and yet he has not brought down lightning upon your head. 
So my call to you as the people of God, when you wake up tomorrow morning and you have this recollection, this realization that the mercies of God are new for that day, that you would be grateful and that you would worship him. That as you draw breath in your imperfections, as you draw breath in your inconsistency, as you draw breath in your unfaithfulness, it would just cause you to love God more and that you would say, you really are bigger than I thought you were because I just did that and I know how you feel about that and yet you have not descended upon me. The ground did not open up and swallow me. Thank you for your mercy. I love you, God. I love you for loving me in all of my mess. This works and matters in our lives because every day we need to be thankful for the mercy of God. Because if you look over your shoulder seven days, you will see a couple, a handful, a lot of reasons why God could have brought judgment down upon your life and mine. And yet he does not move against us because he loves us. Number four, The last one, showing mercy is one of the ways we act like God the most. Showing mercy is one of the ways we act like God the most. Look at this scripture verse in Luke 6, 36. It doesn't get any more clear than this. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. call upon your life this week, dear ones, is that you would go into the world and show mercy as you have been shown mercy. That when there's someone who wrongs you and it would be your right to move against them, but you would choose to show them undeserved kindness and not pounce and not descend and not tear them up and not go after them and not rip them apart, that you would show mercy. We talked earlier about the Les Miserables and Jean Valjean, and he broke a window pane, he stole a loaf of bread, and he was actually a thief. The, the story, the reasons, justice was served in that. The mercy of God also shows up in Les Miserables. There's a moment in the story, if you've read the book, where, where uh, Jean Valjean finds himself, because he doesn't have a place to live or sleep, he finds himself sleeping at a, at a church, and there's a kindly priest that takes care of him, and, and he, all throughout the night, he, if you read the book, he's, he's dreaming about the silver plates and the utensils they ate with, and he's thinking about the cups and how much money he could get for those things, and he's having this war within himself, like, I shouldn't do that. I know what it is to have been in prison. I know what it is to be, to be treated with justice, and, and these people have been so kind to me. I'm not going to steal it. I'm not going to steal it. I'm not going to steal it, and yet in that battle, he loses, and up in the middle of the night, he gets, he gets in the middle of the night, and he fills a little sack with the cups and the silver plates, and he steals off in the middle of the night, so when the priest and the attendants wake in the morning, he's gone and so is much of their silver. Sometime later in the day, the police show up with Jean Valjean and the sack of silver. They know that this homeless-looking guy probably doesn't 
carrying around silver with him all the time. This has got to be stolen. It's got to belong to somebody else. And so they show back up because maybe they recognize the mark on the silver and they know it belongs to the priest. And they come in and they say, we've caught him. We caught this guy. And the priest who had every right to say, thief, you stole all the silver. I'm going to call for the maximum sentence against you. I'm going to testify at your trial. I hope they throw the book at you. You're terrible. We were kind to you, and you mistreated us, and you deserve what you're about to get. Instead of all that, the priest says, oh, no, 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 my friend, when you left, you left so quickly, you forgot to take the best silver, the silver candlesticks. And he went and he took them and he put them in his bag. And it broke the heart of Jean Valjean because he was looking in the eyes of this priest. And in the book, you can read it, he says, this priest with his act of mercy just bought my soul for God because I have now been treated in a way of love that I never deserved. And my life's changed. Christian, we know what we deserve. But we got the cross. And we got Jesus. And we got pardon. I know you're guilty, but I'm declaring you not guilty. So let's, with joy, go and win other hearts for God. Let's take mercy out of this building. Let's take mercy into our offices and schools and homes. Let's take mercy and show people some of the unconditional, undeserved, beautiful, life-changing, pray together. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for a moment? There will you sit. Will you thank God for his mercy on your life? Will you thank God that he gave Jesus for you? Will you thank God that he has not squashed you this week? Thank you. Thank him for his mercy. And would you answer that question in your heart just between you and God here for a moment? Have I believed in Jesus personally and been pardoned of my sins? Or, man, I haven't believed in Jesus. Someday I'm going to have to stand before him as judge. If you realize you haven't done that yet, then do it right where you sit with your head bowed and your eyes closed, just between you and God. Saying, God, I, I want to turn away from being sinful. I want to turn away from that life. And I believe in you and what Jesus did for me. And I want to follow him and I want to be his follower, his disciple. Forgive my sins and pardon my guilt. And if you'll do that right where you sit right now, God will forgive you. Because the Bible says, if we confess our sins, 
he is faithful and just. He keeps his word to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of unrighteousness. If you pray that right now between you and God, you will be pardoned. You will be forgiven. You'll be a Christian and you will have no fear of standing before God. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed this morning, was there anybody who realized I had never been pardoned for my sins and I need to do that in the morning today? Just as a point of, of celebration just between me and you, nobody else looking around, just lift your hand up and put it back down again that today I just prayed that prayer. That was me this morning. Who else? Who else in the room this morning? This was the morning where I, I needed to pray that. You can put your hands down. Who else this morning? This was the morning where I needed to be pardoned for my sin. Anybody else? That was your moment with God. It's great. Thank you, Lord, for justice and for mercy. We love you. We're so thankful for Jesus. And you are worthy of worship. So that's what we're going to do. In Christ's name, amen. Why don't you stand up? We're going to sing this song together.